This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 and Sunday mornings at 11 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. The whole point of the holidays is to enjoy each other. Get together with your loved ones, just enjoying your time together. And if that involves delicious food, some alcohol, some treats, enjoy it. Maybe you're going through a nutritional protocol that doesn't allow for these foods, that you can use alternatives to your advantage and create meals so that you still have something you can enjoy that fulfills whatever requirements that you need to fulfill nutritionally. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we're going to learn all about getting a good night's sleep. We'll hear why you should indulge over the holidays, and we're going to learn about vertical farming. Lastly, we'll find out about cannabis and Christmas. But first, a little bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP-certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team, headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Very good, Jamie. Thanks for having me again. So I have to admit, I'm a little sleepy this morning. I have a dog who insists on sleeping on our bed and prefers my side of the bed to my wife's. So I'm sort of relegated to the corner of the bed and it's just not a good night's sleep. But a lot of people have sleep problems for other reasons, right? Don't they? Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, for me, that, for you, that's an easy fix. Yeah. Kick him off the bed, Yeah. close the door. <laughs> yeah, and then she whines the whole night. So, And I, I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about the dog. <laughs> so, so I have to let her in. She's my shadow and, uh, and follows me around everywhere. So I, I have to let her. Otherwise, she won't sleep. Uh, but yes, but other people ha- have real problems sleeping. And, you know, there's lots going on this time of year that sort of impact people. And let's talk about some of the reasons why people aren't getting sleep. Well, one of the major reasons is I, I think at this time of the year, the days are shorter, so we're getting less sunlight, yep. right? It's overcast, at least in Ontario or in Canada, northern climates, right? Yes. So again, the changing in the light, right? Less light coming in makes a huge difference. And one of the things I say is that your best treatment would be to run down to a sunny climate, sit in the sunshine, 
enjoy some Mai Tais on the beach, etc. However, yep. most yep. of us can't do that because, unfortunately, we have jobs that we have to do. Exactly. We don't have that much free time to run around like that, right? Right. So one of the things that, that we do know is things like vitamin D, D3 helps, right? Because that's why they call vitamin D3 the sunshine vitamin, especially come wintertime yep. or at fall because of the less light. And we all clothing. We wear heavier clothing, so the the light doesn't fall on the skin. So you have less manufacturing of natural vitamin D. So it's a good time to supplement with vitamin D. That's one of the things, and some of that can also help. Most of us are probably vitamin D deficient. It's come to the point now. I know where. Uh, a lot of doctors don't even bother testing your vitamin D3 levels because they've done it and most people are deficient. The downside for taking more vitamin D3 that you get as a supplement is not, there's no downside. Right. right. Isn't it one of those uh, supplements that are, are almost universally agreed upon as being beneficial and there's really no so downside? T- today it is. Ten years ago was a different story, but oh, really? more and okay. more information comes out about it. Right, more and more people are taking that vitamin D three, and they're not worried about taking too much. Now, even though the Canadian Cancer Society and Health Canada, I think they have a suggestion of a, a thousand IU per dose, all right, mm-hmm. per day. Most people take a lot more than that. Right. All right. And but based on what you get in your sunshine like you know people can get anywhere if you spend a day in the sun you can be making up to 100 to 200,000 IU wow in the right and I know people spend all day summertime in there and I'm sure the body just does modify how much it makes but it's you're still getting quite a bit of vitamin D you know you don't have the ill effects you know everybody feels better in the sunshine you know that for sure absolutely if you're dying you feel better And and the nice thing about the vitamin D is it's not an expensive supplement. Yeah, relatively inexpensive, right? Mm -hmm. And now one of the things you talk about is sleep, right? Yep. And cognitive issues, you know, depression, etc. That goes hand in hand with lack of light sometimes, right? Yes. So... You know, some people, because this time is particularly more stressful because you're running around more, you know, come close to Christmas time, everybody's looking for getting their Christmas gifts together or going to this party, that party. So you, you're usually running ragged at this time of the year, too. So you need your sleep, right? Right. I would say go to bed a little bit earlier, try to get your full eight hours. But saying it and doing it is two different things. Because some people I know, you, you hop into bed and you can't fall asleep. Right. For whatever reason, mind is too active and they're... Do you, and you, do you count sheep? It off. Do you count sheep? I try not to, right? <laughs> I, I don't count sheep. What I do is I play poker hands in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that if I if I've played too many hands where I get four of a kind or full house, which are very hard to get, I know that I've been doing it for too long, and I move on to something else. Sorry. Yeah. No, but there are several herbs that people have used to help you get some sleep, right? right? Valerian is one of the ones that people have used, right? Right. People have also used things like St. John's Wort for mood altering, right? Mm-hmm. People have taken things like Kava Kava also for helping calm you down and help you to, um, I would say, control your thoughts, right? Yes. There are some other people use things like magnesium to help relax the body, relax the muscles, right? Yes. The issue I would have with magnesium is that if you take too much magnesium, right, you may end up sitting on the, what I call a porcelain throne because magnesium yeah. does have that effect on your bowels, right? As you get older, 
the magnesium. That is probably not a bad thing for most people. Yeah, exactly. Right? So usually if you're taking magnesium to help relax the muscles, etc., you you can take it to what's called bowel tolerance, right? So And that's usually anywhere between... 200 milligrams to 250 milligrams per dose of elemental magnesium, right? Okay. Now, some people will say, oh, I take 500, no problem. There are also people who can do that. But for regular, most, most individuals, 200 to 250 seems to be the magic number. We were talking about valerian a moment ago, mm-hmm. and I had a discussion. I, when I walk my dog, there's a couple of doctors that I walk my dog with, and they were discussing valerian. And what they said was that it certainly helps them with jet lag. You know, if they know if they're traveling and they need to get acclimatized to uh, a different time zone, they're taking the valerian. But they were skeptical that it works to help as a sleep aid in normal circumstances. What are your thoughts on that? I think they were talking about melatonin. Oh, yes, you know, you're right. right. Melatonin is one of the things that adjusts the time clock, right? And it does help because the release of melatonin by the brain does follow a circadian-type rhythm, right? So... And one of the things that melatonin does, do, it, it, it sort of adjusts your, your body's time clock so that you fall asleep when you should be falling asleep, when the sun is going down, etc. cetera, right? Yes. And it, it does make you sleepier, et cetera. Does it make you sleepy? As far as I know, it doesn't seem to work on the central nervous system to make you sleepy. But because it adjusts your circadian rhythms, right? Yeah. One of the side effects of adjusting the circadian rhythms is to get you get your body into that frame of mind to say, well, I should be sleeping at this time of night. Right. right? Yeah. So that's, that's how it works. Valerian, on the other hand, is a herb that does seem to make people sleepy. Oh, okay. All right. The nice thing about valerian is because there's a lot of modern pharmaceuticals, right, that people have used to help make them sleepy. So there's things like benzodiazepines, etc. And I don't want to go through all of those. But, right. yeah. but one of the things that a lot of sleep aids from a pharmaceutical perspective that have made by pharmaceutical companies is that a lot of them make the person, when they wake up, they feel dozy, yeah, logy, yeah, and, and groggy, yeah, right? yeah. Whereas valerian doesn't seem to work to do that, right? St. John's wort also doesn't seem to do that, right? Cava cava also seems to calm you down, but it doesn't seem to make you groggy waking up the next morning. And that's only three herbs. There's a whole, there's a whole a bunch of other herbs that do that. There's something called um, the common name is a Chinese herb called jujube seed, right? Mm-hmm. That the extract of that actually have shown to help you sleep, relax, etc. It works really well. Again, no side effects. When when we talk about valerian and St. John's wort and cava cava, should people be taking all three? Or is there one, like, like, would you recommend one for a certain type of person or a certain age? I I am one of those people that believe in formulations because one herb usually doesn't work on all the different mechanisms in the body. Okay. And so usually what happens is that if you take one herb and for whatever reason that one herb doesn't work on on you, right, if you have a formulated number of several herbs together in that one product, the other herbs pick up the slack, Right. Okay. Secondly, if there's any side effects with any one particular herb, the fact that if you have a formulated product, that usually means you have less of every single herb in that product. And what that also means is that if there's any side effects, you're going to have less of a side effect, right? Because okay. you're not mm-hmm. having the same quantity, 
right? Now, after having said that, I know what, where we're going with this. The, the Kava Kava has been shown to calm the mind. So sometimes, you know, people, their mind is running in circles, yep. right? And mm-hmm. keep going on and on and on. If you could just calm the mind, it'll help you relax and then eventually put you to sleep. Kava Kava seems to work great that way, right? Okay. St. John's Wort, seasonal affective disorders, mood swings, right? Yep. Seems to work very well with bringing down mood swings, etc. Uh, help, you know, so it does seem to help, right? And valerian, again, is one of those things that seems to act directly in the central nervous system to make you sleepy. The thing about any of these, these products is that don't expect that you're going to take it take one teaspoon and then pass out. It right. doesn't work that way. Right. How, do, how does it work? Should people be taking uh, my, this? My for- suggestion is that you take it about an hour before you, you actually go to bed, right? So you take it and then so get its way to work its way into your body, etc. And then you go to bed. You fall asleep much more naturally. So it's not like taking a pharmaceutical aid and where you just take it and hit the sack and you, you pass out. And there's other things that people can do to help getting to sleep. I mean, I think the number one thing that people have to recognize is if they're watching TV or if they're on their phone right before they go to sleep, that's going to impact their ability to sort of switch gears and get into the sleep mode. You, You really can't automatically shift from TV or looking at a screen to going to sleep. It, it, it's, it's going to impede your ability to do so. That is true. There's, there's several studies now that have shown that the light that you see from your TV and your, and, and your uh, computer screens and your phone screens actually keep you awake. Exactly. The sleep that you do get is not as good as if, if, you, um, as if you were falling asleep. Not right. Too. And, you know, for some people, maybe you shouldn't have that late night snack. You know, if you've just eaten, it's, you're going to have difficulty getting to bed. And if you're, you know, not in a quiet space or, if the, right. ro- or if the room is too hot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we, we've done sort of these interviews before talking about sleep hygiene and getting ready for bed. All those things are still relevant in addition to taking the herbal remedies too. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things I would also suggest, exercise. Yep. Exercise earlier in the day. Don't exercise right before bed. Exactly. But if you exercise earlier in the day, exercise releases endorphins into your, into your bloodstream, right? Endorphins also help you relax, put you into that sleepy frame of mind. And, you know, if you're tired, you will sleep. Exactly. Right? Uh, but, uh, I mean, there's so many things that have to work together to help you sleep. But sleep is important because one of the things that they've shown with sleep also is that it allows the brain, to, when you're sleeping, to get rid of toxins, right? Mm, yeah. Now, that is something that's relatively new that's come out because for the longest while, people were wondering, well, why do we need to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. But something physical that has actually been shown is that because it's like anything else, it's, the, the brain is an organ system. Anytime there's an organ system, it creates toxins, or I call it toxins, or waste products, right? Okay. During its normal function. And that toxins have to be washed out of the brain, get it into the, into the circulation, so then it can be disposed of either through the, the urine, the bile, or in the stool, right? Or even in the sweat. But you need to get that out. And during sleep, this is shown to happen during sleep. That's one of the biggest, that was one of the biggest benefits of sleep. Other than the cognitive issues like laying down new memory systems so, so that, you know, if your brain takes all that information it has gathered during the day and puts it into to places where it is more um, readily available, forming new memories, et cetera, et cetera. Right, and it helps you with your emotional health sometimes. That's right. And also, you know, your physical health too. If you are exercising, 
sleep is when your body repairs uh, the tissue. Uh, you know, like if, if, when you're when you're not moving, that's when your muscles get rebuilt. That is also true. So that's why if you do exercise. Right. Exercise is a big component of restful sleep. If you if you do do the exercise, but the key is if you have problems with sleep and do not exercise just before bed. Uh, and I know a lot yep. of people do it, yep. and that's when they have problems falling asleep sometimes. Exactly. All right, so some of the uh, herbal remedies, I think people might have questions as to whether or not there are any possible negative interactions with other stuff that they're taking or you know whether there's anything that they need to be aware of. Remedies that you see out there are relatively safe, right. right? And in all fairness, yes, they will interact with whatever you have there. But in the quantities that you're consuming, the interactions are, are normally are minimal. Okay. Okay. Now, if you take the same, if you take the herbal um, remedy, let's take valerian for example, sure. and the recommended dose is one teaspoon, and you take five teaspoons and followed by a, a shot of of scotch. Okay. Right. You will not see uh, any, you, you won't need to be rushed to the doctor to get your stomach pumped or anything like that because right. the herbal remedies are very safe. The safety margins are huge. Now, if you do that for a year, day in, day out, day in, day out for a year, you might run into problems because what will probably happen is that you'll probably see issues with the liver. Right. right, but that's that's if you're doing it for a year. So usually, when we suggest using some of these herbal products, I call it as an aid. It's it's not something you take for a full year at five times the recommended dose. You you could take it for a full year at the recommended dose, and you pro- and there there will be no problem. Well, you've given us a lot of food for thought and peace of mind, and some information to sleep on. Hopefully. <laughs> We'll see you back in the new year, but we've got to take a short break. When we return, we're going to learn why you should indulge over the holidays on The Tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. What do you give the person who has everything? The gift of health from the Big Carrot. A Big Carrot gift card gives your loved ones access to all their amazing departments, including body care, the organic juice bar, the holistic dispensary, and even the Carrot Kitchen. Gift cards are available for purchase at both the Beach and Danforth locations. The Big Carrot, living better together. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest, Megan Horsley, is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well-being with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold. She's a knowledgeable and entertaining writer who wrote a great article about indulging over the holidays. 
So just in time, we brought you in this morning to explain yourself. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So indulging on the holidays, why do you think people dread this time of year? Because not everybody's into the holidays, right? No, this can be a really difficult time of year for people for a variety of reasons. When we're looking at the holidays from a nutrition perspective, food can be a really difficult thing to navigate with family members, with partners, children. So I think this time of year can be really difficult for a lot of people because um, we're dealing with a variety of insecurities, whether it's meeting up with family members you haven't seen in a while or any kind of partner stress that you have dealing with your children and maybe extended family members that maybe you don't really want to see. (laughs) No comment. Yeah. (laughs) Throwing food into the mix along with all of these relationships uh, can be really problematic for some people. And especially if you're trying to work through nutrition protocol. So even at this time of year, I do have some of my clients working through nutrition protocol, depending on what kind of health issues they're dealing with. And so we, we do have a conversation about what's going to happen over the holidays. So, you know, Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, if you're celebrating that too. And different strategies that you can use with your family members and, you know, for yourself, having, you know, personal talks with yourself about, you know, what you can do to get through the holidays and actually enjoy them. Because you don't want to set yourself up for failure. I mean, like right now, at one point, one year, I lost a lot of weight. I lost 52 pounds, which is a lot. Yes. And, you know, that takes structure And that takes planning and that takes willpower, which I don't have a ton of, interestingly. But also, after you've lost the weight, it's also a struggle to keep it off. And it's a slippery slope, right? Once you start allowing yourself seconds on dessert or extra alcohol or kind of saying, oh, you know, X, Y, and Z. But by the same token, conversely, if you don't allow it to yourself, you can become miserable, right? Like you don't – it has to be a lifestyle change. I I don't believe in diets in the long run because I don't think they're sustainable. They're definitely not sustainable. So they're different. Different things you can do, right? right. Um, if you do allow yourself to indulge all of, over the holidays, you can set up some parameters for yourself so that you don't get into that binging cycle. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And I think um, just going back to the, you said you lost a lot of weight one year and you can get a lot of praise from family members, right? And it feels good. It feels right. exciting. And you almost create this or they've created this expectation of you, you know, watching what you're eating. And, and so that there are a few different things that can be going on in someone's head at the holidays. So I, th- I think we should unpack some of those. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with, it's the time of year mm-hmm. and it's contextual, right? There are times of year when it's easier to sort of keep on regimen, but this is time is a little bit different. And your article was about, you know, it's okay to indulge this time of year. And let's start talking about like maybe what that's about. So the time of year, it's contextual, right? Yeah, I, so I think we need to have a bit of a reality check um, yeah. at this time of year because the whole point of the holidays is to enjoy each other, right. to get together with with your loved ones. Maybe it's not family members, maybe it's just friends, you know, your close ones, um, and just enjoying your time together. And if that involves delicious food, some alcohol, some treats, enjoy it and enjoy enjoy that time with those people. You know, the reality of it is Hanukkah is not a particularly religious holiday. Obviously, Christmas is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of historic and cultural uh, attachments to the holidays are food-related, right? Yes. It's, you know, feasts, literally. Uh, celebrating the season, celebrating the solstice. Historically, even, you know, the, the pagans would celebrate this time of year because their harvests were done and it was time to indulge. Yes. So we're kind of hardwired for that, I think, aren't we? Yeah, I think so too. And I think, um, you know, just going back to eating traditional foods, 
maybe you're going through a nutritional protocol that doesn't allow for these foods. Right. Well, one of the things that you can do, and I talk about this in my article, is that you can use alternatives to your advantage and, and create meals and bring those to your different dinner parties so that you still have something you can enjoy that you know fulfills whatever requirements that you need to fulfill nutritionally. And you're not going to be sitting there feeling like crap with the rest of everyone right. else, right? Yeah, but you, okay, but also how you have to consider if you're bringing your own healthy food, Yes. And there's a whole spread of regular food, we'll call it. Yes. You know, don't you can't be upset if people don't want to have your quinoa. Right. <laughs> right. Like that's not right. Like because I'm not eating the quinoa. I'm just not. Oh, it's not right, my it's right. not my bag. But but, you know, it is nice to bring something healthier. And what kind of stuff would you recommend to your clients that I think is realistic to bring to a, a you know, festivity? For sure. So I think a lot of the issues that people deal with are gluten sensitivities or, right. or actual celiac right. um, dairy issues, issues with grains, you know, the whole variety. So. Bringing alternatives that are gluten-free, that are dairy-free. Um, so examples of this could be making a cashew cheesecake mm-hmm. with a walnut and date crust. Hello? It's delicious. It is. Have you tried something like this before? I have. Okay. I have. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say sometimes I, I don't like it when food masquerades as other foods, but I understand if, if you're vegan or if you're lactose intolerant, obviously this is a great option. Right, right. No, I, I get it. I would have a small piece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So in in the article, you also talk about metabolism and how, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing to change things up. Ex- explain what that's about. Yeah, so I, I think for a lot of people who are trying to um, reduce their the fat percentage on their bodies, they're constantly eating in a calorie deficit, which means right. that you're you're eating less calories than you're outputting. So through exercise, through just daily breathing and living. And I think, you know, unfortunately, this can be a really bad cycle to get caught up in. And if you're constantly restricting your body, your bo- you can actually put your body into starvation mode, right. right? And this will be completely counteractive to what your goals are if you're trying to lose weight. Right. So what happens is the body actually retains uh, the energy and the it's calories. It's going to hang on to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're not giving it enough. So it says, oh, I'm not getting enough intake. So now I'm really going to hold back. It's going to hang on to this yeah. for a little while longer. <laughs> it makes it much, much harder to lose the weight. Exactly. So my suggestion is if you tell yourself, during the holidays, I'm going to enjoy this food, but get a bit more activity in. So it doesn't mean going to the gym. If you're not a gym person, although yep. I just learned that you definitely are, yep. if you're not a gym person, then don't go. Right. You know, exercise should be enjoyable. So if that means going for a wintry wa- a walk, a walk, going through, yep. going for hikes. If you live in the East End, going through Evergreen Brickworks, there's a beautiful mm-hmm. path through there. Yep. Um, I think you end up on. Just don't fall into the Don River. It's, yeah, still don't, not, it's not as clean as it's not as clean as they'd have you believe. <laughs> yeah, don't please don't fall. Um, so anyway, if you walk through that path, you'll end up somewhere in uh, Lee Side, and it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Going skating, going tobogganing, playing yep. with your kids outside, even just running around in the snow, you're going to get that heart rate up, and this is a fantastic way to boost your metabolism, even sure. through the holidays. Yes, going to the gym is awesome, but not sitting on your keister the whole day. So if you're going to indulge, <laughs> you know, also it's not cool to binge watch The Office or necessarily watch three football games in a row. Get up and do something. All right. Exactly. All right. So you've talked about dietary uh, restrictions and alternatives. Also, there's low fat stuff you can bring too, right? It isn't just about the restrictions. You can bring exciting food that doesn't necessarily have to be fat laden, right? 
Yes, but I also don't think that eating fat is necessarily no. If it's a good, if it's a good good fats, right? Like, what what do you what what exactly do you mean by? Well, you see, you alluded to Hanukkah, which is you know you're you're deep frying potatoes and making latkes, right? Right. So you don't necessarily have to have the latkes, but maybe there's another potato dish you could have that doesn't have all the oil, right? Sure, or maybe you could use a better quality oil, right? So not completely getting rid of that. Yeah. food altogether, but maybe, you know, swapping out vegetable oil for avocado oil, right? Right. Things that can actually be cooked at a higher temperature that will not become rancid if they if they go past right. that smoke. Or, you know, maybe you look up a recipe where you're baking the latkes after you do a saute as, exactly. as, as opposed to deep frying them as an option, exactly. perhaps. Yes. Or using, instead of just potatoes, maybe grating in some zucchini or other root vegetables. They're great make... ideas. Absolutely. Right. So there you go. See, I know what I, I know my stuff. You know what you're doing. And the other other thing is, what comes after you know Hanukkah and Christmas holidays is New Year's, and people yes. and people make those resolutions, which is for another show. Mm-hmm. But how do you figure indulging a little before the New Year's helps you? I think if you give yourself a bit of a deadline, and it doesn't mean eat as much as possible by this date. That's yeah. not what I mean. New Year's is coming. I'm going to gorge until we midnight. Need everything. <laughs> And when the bell tolls, I will not eat anymore. Yeah, no, don't do that. No, please don't do that. <laughs> um, but if you if you know when this kind of eating is going to end, and you can almost look forward to having a fresh start. And, you know, some people are into the resolution, some people are not. I think yeah. they're a great idea, um, especially if you're joining family members and friends who, who want to start living a healthier lifestyle, too. That's not to say the holidays can't be healthy, right? right? But... Typically, not so much. So I think if you tell yourself, okay, you know, this day I'm just going to start in including healthier routines, then you can have a better mindset of going through the holidays. You can reminisce. You should take pictures of the delicious food that you're eating over the holidays <laughs> so that when you're when you're busy, you know, restricting yourself in January, you can look back and say, oh, yeah, I remember that cake that I ate. It was really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up a great point. You know, it's not necessarily about restricting no. um, when you get into the new year. It can also be about bringing in more, more activities or, for example, drinking more water. You're right. not necessarily restricting anything there. No. Right? True enough. All right. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But you're gonna when you come back in the new year, what are we gonna discuss? We're gonna be talking about the six sneaky ways you can eat more vegetables. So it's perfect for post holiday talk. Fantastic. <laughs> We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're gonna learn all about vertical farming on the tonic. The tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural Liquid Greens. Are you one of the many Canadians dealing with chronic pain, anxiety, IBS, and other such conditions? Are you interested in finding out more about your options with medical cannabis? Then join one of 22,000 patients nationwide who've let Harvest Medicine be their trusted cannabis healthcare partner and provider. It's never been easier to access Harvest Medicine's healthcare team, education, and resources. Simply download the HMed Connect app from the Android and Apple stores and book your appointment today. To find out more, visit hmed.ca or download the app. That's HMED Connect from your app store. 
This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Bob Legault, is the Senior Business Development Manager at Back 40 Growers, in charge of sales, product development, and a bit of everything business-related. Bob went to George Brown, has been in the food industry for over 10 years, and eventually specialized in produce. He's lived in California and worked there. There, he witnessed issues regarding that growing region and recognized a need to find alternative ways to grow. Welcome to the show, sir. Good morning, Jamie. So you reached out to me to come to visit your facilities to witness vertical farming in person. And I, being both very busy and simultaneously very lazy, instead invited you to come on the show to explain all about this exciting trend in agriculture. So for our listeners who don't necessarily know, what is vertical farming? Well, vertical farming, there's there's two types. It's basically using a space and going upwards. Hence vertical. Yep. And the two ways of doing it right now are some people are using shelves and are going as high as they can in a warehouse space. Yes. Some do it in greenhouses. But we're using vertical towers. So if you can imagine taking a tower uh, that's eight feet long and produce growing out sideways. So what we're doing is we're maximizing the space in a smaller area. So what a traditional farm can grow, we can grow 17 times more. Uh, per square foot. Oh, wow. And also you can grow in urban settings and industrial settings as opposed to having, you know, farmland, right? Yeah, that's correct. So these places are popping up uh, more frequently now, you know, throughout the states, uh, more so in the Middle East. And it's basically so because of food miles and, and, you know, further places uh, that you're buying or getting your produce from, now you can put these you know, downtown Toronto, there could be a building. You don't even know what's inside. And there, there could literally be a farm. Well, if we don't know what's inside, it's probably a cannabis grow up. But if it isn't, it sounds like it might be a vertical farm, right? Yes. So vertical farming. So you, you, you have these towers. Do you need to use artificial lighting? I know you mentioned greenhouses, but with our climate and our sunlight, are, are you mostly using like infrared or how does it work? Well, what we're doing is everything is LED lights. We're not a okay. greenhouse where a lot of greenhouses are using the sun, obviously, for their main light, but they use supplemental lighting. Okay. So what we do, because we're in a warehouse, everything is done uh, with LED lights. They've come up with specialty LED lights now that's specifically for growing. Right. And so the LED lights that we have, so our towers are eight feet, so we have eight-foot vertical uh, lighting tower, or they're called blades. And they basically sit in front of the plant. So we move them closer to the plant when they first put them in the towers because the plant is smaller. And as the plant grows, we move them more towards the middle because we have to get certain micromoles without getting, you know, too specific about it. Just makes the plant grow better. And then for certain items, herbs or lettuces or kale, they might have different recipes for lighting. So we have different lighting for specific plants. Do you mimic like night and day or is it mostly that the lights are on and the, it just grows quicker because it's always exposed to sunlight? Yeah, we uh, basically what we're doing is we use, well, that's the other thing we specialize because we're optimizing growing. Okay. And so just on the lighting side of it, like with the plants that we have growing right now, they need 18 hours of sunlight. Oh, wow. So we're trying to mimic. And because we're in a warehouse, they have no idea when it's day or night. So to consume electricity, we do everything at night. So our lighting is coming on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it goes to 10 o'clock in the morning. 
And But what we're doing uh, once we get up and going, we're mimicking the, the sunlight. So when the lights come on, they'll be a little bit lower and grow and grow like sunlight would be first thing in the morning. Right. And when the lights are going off, they'll start slowing down. So we're actually mimicking the exact same as what sunlight would do. Fantastic. So what are the benefits to this type of, of growing? Well, I mean, like we're saying, everyone's about local now. Right. And so, you know, for a warehouse to be in the middle of the city, which we are, we're in Burlington, mm-hmm. uh, to have a farm, I mean, you know, people can, consumers, restaurants, uh, hospitality, they can get their fruits and vegetables at a much quicker rate. And, you know, in the, especially in the wintertime, I guess the, the main benefit right. is we can grow stuff year round, whereas, you know, you, you obviously can't, you know, here right now in the wintertime because obviously being in Canada. Right, exactly. So, I mean, that that's the main thing. Right, so if you don't have to ship produce in from South America, then you're, you're saving on the transport charges, correct? Yeah, and, and we also like to say we're a cleaner product. We're in a, a closed environment. Right. And so our product is uh, just a better product you know, overall, we don't have wind damage or rain or different things because we, we don't have those things happening inside a warehouse. Right. It's a controlled environment. So you're not exposed to, to weeds or, or to microbes or anything like that, right? Correct. So I presume in addition to electricity, there's you're growing. These are hydroponic plants, correct? Uh, we're doing both. We're actually aquaponics. Okay. Explain. And, what, is uh, that, what does that mean? Well, aquaponics is we're using fish to fertilize. By the end of our grow, our build-out, uh, at one given time, we'll have about 6,600 tilapia, which we're using because they're a better fish used for aquaponics. Uh, we'll have 6,600 fish fertilizing, and basically it's the weight they produce. It gets broken down. We have biofilters, and they take the good and bad bacteria and the nutrients, and basically that will go to the plant and fertilize them. But sometimes aquaponics doesn't, like, usually fish can't supply iron. Okay. So what we do on a, on a hydroponic side is we top off uh, the certain nutrients that the plant isn't getting. And so that way we know that by the end of it, uh, you're getting a maximized uh, nutrients, minerals. Usually with aquaponics, you get more flavor mm-hmm. in the product. That's so, interesting. As, yeah. oppo- as, as opposed to hydroponics, right? So with the, yeah. w- with the fish fertilizer, they're not growing in a soil compound, right? Like, it's, is it like a sponge pod and then the water is sort of fed into it? How, do, how does, like, what are they in? What are the roots Well, in? what we're doing is in the towers, there is a, we have a medium that is, uh, it's a recycled plastic bottle. And so what oh, we wow. do is it's inside the, the, these plastic towers. So we would pull up at the medium outside, and it opens up. Then we take a, it's like a, a wick, we call it. It's a material that keeps keeps damp. So we would transport each root that's got a, a couple leaves on it. We call it a true leaf. Mm-hmm. So depending you know, how many plants, because some grow bigger than others, we'll space them out accordingly. Uh, we put it into, on the wick. We close up the medium, and then we slide it back into the towers. Within a couple of days, the root has taken effect and starts wrapping into the medium. And so it won't go anywhere, even though it's sideways. And even though plants start getting a little bigger, they will just continue to grow uh, standing out. Okay. So that's how they grow. And with the water that you're using, is it recycling? Or once you've used it, like, are you using a lot of water? Yes. Well, we use less than 2% of what the traditional field farm uses. Oh, wow. So carbon footprint, we're, you know, we're there. So everything we do is recycled. So by the time the water goes to the, gets to the plants, 
whatever goes to the bottom, we have containers that hold the water. It goes through the, the wick, and from there, it goes. It gets pumped back into these totes or uh, tanks. From there, it basically gets uh, reverse osmosis. It gets uh, filtered again, and it goes back to the fish, and we just kind of restart everything. We also recycle. We have huge dehumidifiers uh, inside the building because you can imagine the humidity, yeah. especially with the lighting. Yeah. Um, we actually recycle all the water from our dehumidifiers. Oh, wow. So is it cost effective? We're, we're a little bit more expensive to build out than a lot of these places. Obviously, we're not building, you know, buying. We're 7,500 square feet of warehouse, but we're equal to 10 acres. So to buy 10 acres of land, you know, obviously, you know, especially in this kind of area, right. uh, it's expensive. But as for farm, the aquaponics is a little bit more expensive uh, than your typical greenhouse. Greenhouses are glass. A lot of them are more expensive. So, sure. you know, we also are organic. We use organic materials, all natural, uh, no herbicides or pesticides. And because of a lot of the, the process we, we use, they're a little bit more expensive to, to grow plants as well. So your end product, is it comparable to what I'd buy as an organic in the store? Or is well, it more expensive, less expensive? I'm just curious. Well, what we're selling for is pretty much the same price. We're not really selling an organic. Organic is always a little bit more because the way uh, they sell things, right. uh, because the way they farm. Obviously, usually things are usually quartered off and they can't grow. You know, They're only using about half their land to do this. So place-wise, we're trying to be underneath what organic is. We like to say we grow beyond organic because yeah. by the time our product gets to the end and we're cutting it, we like to think that it's, it's, a, better, uh, it's a better plant. It's a better product. Mm-hmm. Organic is outside. It's a, you know, it has to be in a soil-grown environment. And that's kind of the other, you know, what we're dealing with. We can't be considered organic, organic certification, because we're soilless. And right now, that's a thing that with the government and the Organic Council is trying to trying to work out. It just got passed in the state that uh, or um, soils conditions can be considered organic certification now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. Well, that's really fascinating. And there were there are a lot more questions that I wanted to ask you today. Uh, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Will you come back again so I can we can talk more about vertical farming? That's great. I definitely would. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to learn about cannabis and Christmas on the tonic. And now the soul segment with spiritual medium, transpersonal therapist and teacher, Lisa Marvin. Through her use of tarot cards, your questions about love, money and career are sure to be answered. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me for this week's soul segment. Today, we'll be focusing on your love life. The way this works is that I've pulled three cards to get a glimpse as to what to expect for the week. The first card is the energy that has brought you to where you are now. The second card is what you need to focus on right now. And the third card is the energy that's going to carry you into the future. The first card we have is the star card. This means that in your love life, you've recently really put yourself out there more than you normally do. You might have noticed that you've had better luck romantically lately. This week, you have the High Priestess card. This means that you need to connect with your strong intuition to get the answers that you're looking for. You know more than you think you do. Once you feel more connected within yourself, you'll be able to have more faith in the direction of your romantic relationships. This is a great week for romance. Good luck. Thank you for joining me, and I'm looking forward to connecting again next week. 
This has been the Soul Segment with Lisa Marvin. To contact Lisa with your questions, please visit metaphysique.ca. Getting life insurance for type 2 diabetics can be a confusing and frustrating experience. Many type 2 diabetics buy life insurance products that are either way too expensive or take too long to buy. Most type 2 diabetics are surprised how affordable life insurance is. For example, a 55-year-old type 2 diabetic can get $250,000 of life insurance for only $86 a month. Remember, your information and quotes are completely confidential and there's no obligation to buy. So if you're a type 2 diabetic, take your best first step in buying life insurance by going to typetrue.ca. That's T-Y-P-E-T-R-U-E dot C-A. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest, Rick Gilman, is a medical cannabis patient, consultant, and veteran freelance writer. He's involved in medical cannabis research and breeding projects, creating more effective medicine. He works for Canadian cannabis clinics as medical outreach educator out of their Collingwood, Ontario clinic. Rick wrote a great article in the December issue of Tonic, which ties in cannabis with the holiday season. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Very well. Glad to be here, Jamie. So this time of year can be a challenge for a lot of us. What sort of issues and problems are people dealing with that you see? Well, you know, everybody kind of has a, a different pace and stress level this time of year, of course, but, but it can be especially challenging for people with uh, mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, and so on. And I understand, you know, your background in, in coming to cannabis is, is you were dealing with some issues personally, right? Absolutely. Well, I have post-traumatic stress disorder uh, dating back to my childhood as well as anxiety and depression. Um, I've been on medical cannabis for about two years, and, and the word I like to use is remission. I don't believe cannabis can cure anything, but I do believe in the concept of permanent remission, and that's where I think I am today. My conditions are completely controlled with this, so, you know, I'd feel anxiety if I got a flat tire. I don't feel anxiety going out my front door. So it certainly has a, a huge potential for healing power with mental health issues. Yeah, so what you're saying is, you know, cannabis can help with some of the effects of the issues, but it's not going to cure the issues, correct? Absolutely. But again, like any condition you have, you know, somebody with cancer, the, the goal is to put them in remission. And, and it's no different with mental health with cannabis. Is It has the potential to reestablish equilibrium or maybe just establish it for the first time in somebody who's suffered from, from these conditions all their lives. How does cannabis help with mental health issues? Well, there's a lot of different theories and understand, of course, this is, it's not a new medicine. We've been using it for 5,000 years as a society, but the research is new. So there's a lot of different theories. When people, for example, take antidepressants, it's supposed to increase your serotonin and your uptake and everything to recreate that equilibrium. And I think cannabis does something very similar. We have two sets of cannabis receptors in our brains that process the cannabinoids. They're called CB1 and CB2. And they act as the catalyst or engine for, for this full body medicine. And so I think once you you engage your, your uh, cannabinoid receptors with cannabis medicine, it starts kind of a whole progression of wellness that uh, it gets to 
distributed through your body. It makes your brain function differently. And so I think that has a lot to do with this great result that cannabis seems to show for, you know, for not just depression, but anxiety and, and PTSD. They're very different, and, and you use very different strains to help treat those things. Let's sort of talk about your experience as a patient as opposed to a clinician. How does the cannabis manifest in, in helping you with your conditions? Is it is it a mellowing of effects? Do you feel calmer? How do, how's it helping you personally? Well, with the anxiety, absolutely, I feel calmer. People who live with anxiety, uh, I think there is a common thread that there's a, an underlying tension or stress or, you know, a good way to describe it for me personally is feeling wound up all the time and, and little things just trigger you. Whereas when you have that balance back, then you kind of approach things differently, you react to things differently, you don't have that kind of underlying tension. So definitely there is that kind of a different processing in the brain, I think, is, is part of it. And the same with the depression. Uh, a lot of people suffer from seasonal affective disorder. So when the times change with the, you know, Eastern Standard Time and so on, right. you know, those shorter days trigger a lot of people to go into a, a situational depression. And this helps with that as well. Sativa strains, which are energizing, they promote creative thought and so on. They're really good for depression, whereas indica strains, which are mellowing, calming, are really good for anxiety. So we kind of tailor a regimen to each person based on how their mental health manifests. Some people have more of one or the other. And then post-traumatic stress disorder is a whole other thing where it's basically mental scarring from the past. Right. But that, for me personally, also helped me to recognize and, and work through a lot of that. So, you know, this medicine has a lot of potential with the, the mental health field. This may be a silly question, but the fact that cannabis can sometimes affect memory, is that helpful with PTSD? Is that an element of it? Or In my personal situation, absolutely. I had things that were very painful from my childhood that were repressed. And, and using cannabis and its mind expanding, you know, thing that we do understand with the psychoactive side, actually helped me to recall those thoughts as painful as some of them were and actually process them as an adult and, and deal with them and break them down into understanding things that I couldn't understand as a child. But as an adult who's had life experiences, I, I understand and I can actually process them, deal with them and understand why they happen, which helps the healing process. This time of year, you know, just with all the parties and celebrations, it's going to be a time when people who may not not uh, drink alcohol so much, they may be increasing their alcohol consumption. So what are the concerns about cannabis as it interacts or perhaps even replaces alcohol for some people? Yeah, well, you know, it's like anything, uh, you know, we always speak as society about moderation, like, you know, whether it's alcohol or cannabis or anything else. So what people need to understand is, first of all, what is your experience with cannabis? Some people now with legalization are going to be trying it for the first time. And we always advocate a low and slow policy. Right. See what it does for you. Use the minimal amount, give it time, and then work your way up to your comfort zone where you're getting your desired effect. So the, the, the main concern is alcohol and cannabis are both potentially, well, um, not CBD, but THC cannabis, are mind-altering substances. So when you're combining two mind-altering substances, you're going to get a different reaction when you use them together as opposed to individually. So you may have experience with cannabis on its own or alcohol on its own. When you combine them, you're kind of, you know, it's, it's a whole new aspect. And so you have to, again, be very cautious. If you're using THC, you, you know, you, you could potentially be using two things that are going to make you sleepy or tired, which could compound together. Okay, so that's one aspect of the holidays. What about the more positive side? What about cannabis and gift giving? Well, that's a really interesting thing because part and parcel with this new C45 Cannabis Act 
is the ability legally to gift cannabis, which is, you know, I think a, a novel and interesting gift. Now, so according to the way the law is situated now, you can gift up to 30 grams, about an ounce of cannabis. Now, here's the thing that people need to understand very clearly, is that must be legal cannabis. So it must be obtained in our province through the Ontario Cannabis Store. And, you know, eventually you will be able to gift your own grown cannabis. However, as the law stipulates right now, you must get your starting materials according to the law from the Ontario Cannabis Store, and they're not offering anything yet. So you can't really gift anything you've grown on your own. In terms of medical patients who are allowed to grow now under the ACMPR, the uh, Access for Cannabis for Medical Purposes Act, they can grow their own, but they are not allowed to gift that because it's part and parcel of the agreement to allow them to grow. So you cannot give your cannabis or seeds that are medical to someone as a gift. So this is just on the recreational side, correct? What I'm referring to is as a medical patient, you can grow, get a license. No, no, my point is for the purpose of gifting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. So it is only for the recreational, and unfortunately, we're too early to gift what you've grown because you shouldn't be growing without the, (laughs) you know, they've they've made a law and they haven't uh, given anyone the ability to actually function within it. So, you know, again, it's growing pains. You know, by next year, this will be a whole other kind of situation where people will have seeds to grow. Literal, literal growing pains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so now I'm imagining, you know, Christmas celebrations, Hanukkah celebrations, and instead of drinking, will will people be having cannabis at the table? Will we be seeing cannabis in the food? What do you think? You know what? That's uh, really up to the individual. You know, uh, people are embracing this. The you know the stigma is melting away. It's it's really uh, encouraging to see that people are, are having conversations. People are talking openly about and proudly about being able to use cannabis, which is nice. But yeah, that really depends on your comfort level. Some people are already working away making edible products, learning how to do that properly and responsibly. So um, you may see that there's there's a really fun show on Crave uh, in Canada called Bong Appetit, where they have these cooking experts that do these segments with different chefs and stuff and do a whole full course dinner from appetizers through desserts and even sometimes aperitifs and drinks using cannabis. Now, the key is portioning. And that's something that people need how to learn how to do safely. So, for example, in the legal U.S. states, they've pretty much um, come down to consensus of a safe portion of edibles is 10 milligrams of of THC per portion. So what these shows are teaching people to do is how to split up your dosing in in all the different portions so your total that you consume over the whole meal doesn't get you trippy and high. It actually just gives you a, a moderate portion. Well, that's fantastic, and I hope that all our listeners, and you included, have a wonderful Christmas. And if you're going to ingest the cannabis, remember, the new stuff is strong, and it's going to hit you, particularly if it's edibles. Thank you for coming in today. Always happy to help and educate, Jamie. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and great holidays. Thanks. Will you please come back in the new year? Anytime. Great. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For great articles written by Megan Horsley and Rick Gilman, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at 
Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss the city with urban developer Mitch Abrahams, fitness with Kathleen Trotter, boosting your mood with Dr. Emily Lipinski, and the risks to eye health for diabetics with Dr. Varun Chahadri. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.